We are um, in this series called Crazy, talking about crazy praise. And uh, man, Chris, last week, who was here? Who, uh, great job. So give him a hand. I'm so thankful. Um, talked about crazy living, talk, talking about how worship comes out in all of our life and holy living and how we, how we conduct ourselves. Uh, that's why he talked about last week. And he talked about 20 seconds of insane courage. Man, it was amazing this week. We, we were getting texts and emails and, and just notes saying, listen, what, what God asked me to do in places and ways you all stepped in and uh, just stepped out in faith for God to share the gospel and do different things. So super thankful, super thankful. Today we are talking about praisey serving, praisey uh, serving. So we talked about praisey living last week, praisey serving this week, Winston Churchill had a quote that said this. He said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. And this, I want to read you just this opening paragraph. To, uh, besides the Bible, it's one of my favorite books. It's called The Externally Focused Church um, by a couple pastors. And um, man, it's just an incredible wealth of of knowledge, But this is the introduction of the book. It says, A number of years ago, while speaking to a small group of pastors, Chuck Colson described a national prayer breakfast he had recently attended. Colson said that the room was full of powerful people, the President of the United States, congressmen, senators, leaders of industry, and heads of state were all in attendance. However, he noted that the most powerful person in the room had no title, was small in stature, and had few financial resources. But when she spoke, even presidents listened. Mother Teresa's power stemmed not from position, title, or wealth, but from her role as servant. She earned the right to be heard through a lifetime of service. This reminded me of 1 Peter 410, where Peter's writing to the church, and he says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Man, we, there's a lot you can, you can garner from this, uh, but I want you to see that this reality, uh, you know, we get birthday gifts and Christmas gifts, right? And those things are, are intended for us to celebrate and enjoy ourselves. But the spiritual gifts you're given when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you become part of the family, the gifts that are you, you are given, whether it's a gift to lead or serve or host in your home or teach or, or, or love or compassion or administration or any of these, these spiritual gifts that God gives you, they are intended for the benefit of others. That we are called to use the gifts we've given to serve others, and by doing that, we're being a faithful steward of God's grace. That means we got to be okay with the gifts we've given and use those, and anytime we just wish we had this one and we try to plug ourselves in that hole, you're stealing the joy from someone else that's gifted in that space. And so we got to be stewards of what God has given us and use it to serve others. That Greek word to serve is diakonos. Uh, it's also translated deacon in places in the New Testament. It means to serve or minister. Literally, if you go back, it would have meant to wait a table. This is what we are called to do as believers, as Christians. He says, I want you to serve one another. I want you to wait tables. 
God has called us as believers to be the people you ignore at Texas Roadhouse. Are you with me for a minute? Like the people you think that are just there to serve you. You're not called to be the manager. You're not called to sit at the table and be served. You're called to be the one taking orders. The one bussing and cleaning tables. The one serving. This is the heartbeat and the DNA of Jesus. It's the heartbeat and DNA of our church. And, uh, and so when, when me and Chris kind of mapped out this series, and I said, you pick, a, you pick a, which one you'd love, like to preach. And when he picked Praisey Living, I was like, yes. Because Praisey Serving is my heart. It's the heart of our church. It is the DNA of who we are. We realize that worship isn't just about singing. It's not about Sunday gatherings. It's not just about holy living and righteousness, reflecting God in our life. But it is very much about how we interact with others. And how we see ourselves in those relationships with us. If it's your first time here, you're looking for a church, you're going to find that we're a church that, that does not spend all week preparing for Sunday. All right. We are a church who spends Sunday preparing for the week to come, to launch into it. We, we do not do church great. I'll just be honest, it's not something we think about all week. It's like Friday, it's like, oh, what songs are we going to sing? All right, so in, in other churches, they're thinking all week long, they're thinking they're playing, and I'm not saying it's wrong to do that, it's just not who we are or how we function. I printed my notes off like right before the first service started this morning. All right? We care more about being the church than having it. We care more about being the church. And have it. When I thought about serving when I was a young Christian and really growing up in church, I always thought, man, if I'm going to serve God, that means I've got to volunteer on Sundays. Anybody with me? Anybody feel that way? Maybe still feel that way? You think, well, I'm going to serve God. I've got, like, got to go wrangle those kids. I've got to make coffee. I've got to do check-in. I've got to run the soundboard. I've got to be on the worship team. Like, if that's how I'm going to serve God, that's what I've got to do. I've got to do it on a Sunday morning inside the church. Right? Is that kind of what you normally think about or you have thought about? Well, and, the, and for me, my life changed when I came to this realization that worshiping and serving Jesus is not contained to a Sunday or a morning or a building or a service. It is all about serving others. Now, you can do that on Sunday morning, and we do that. I mean, uh, Mayor Lee comes in and makes coffee, and some of y'all got served by coffee this morning. Did you enjoy it? Amen. We got somebody running sound, and he's running sound, Pat's running sound, but he's really just making sure you hear the best from up here, not the worst. So he's serving you all. You understand? He's serving others. And if you're doing kids, you're serving those kids. It's not like a grind you're doing just a sacrifice for God. It is about a heartbeat for the people that you're connecting and interacting with. But that's not where Jesus necessarily calls us to serve. The only place. He calls us in Hebrews 13. I want to go to this chapter and this verse, and this is just a, a, a powerful passage for me, and I want us to sit here for just a few minutes. In Hebrews 13, and starting in verse 12, it says, So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood, so let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. 
See, when I think about Jesus, he fed people on mountainsides. He met people by the lakes. He, he was known as a friend of sinners. He was out in all these places. As I began to think about this, I realized that every believer is in full-time ministry. Like if you're a teacher, carpenter, it doesn't matter what you do, attorney, doctor, health care, you know, family, full-time parent, any of those things you are, you are in full-time ministry. You don't have to be a pastor and just work at the church to be in full-time ministry. God wants to use you Monday through Saturday in the places that you are and the work that you're doing to bring light into a dark world. Here, here, the writer of Hebrews is writing to Hebrew people, Jewish people who had become Christians but had began to kind of dip back into the tradition of the Jewish religion and the rites and the, and the, the, the legalities and the technicalities and you got to eat this kind of food and you got to do this on Sundays and you got you to be all these things. They were, they, were, they were starting to add to the idea of salvation, of just being faith in Jesus to a, a, a life of works and, and falling into the old Jewish tradition. And so Hebrews is really written to be like, whoa, guys, you're getting this wrong. It is about Jesus and Jesus alone. Salvation is in faith, your faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's how you get saved. And so he writes this passage here at the end of Hebrews that really sums up the whole book. And, man, it is powerful. Because he's telling them, the camp here, would have been known as the tent or the temple. This was the place that in the Jewish tradition, the only place that God could be spoken to where the priest went into. And the people on the outside, they couldn't connect with God. The priest had to go in there. And they would take animals and they would sacrifice them and take the blood and take it in there and they would sacrifice it to God. And they'd take the bodies of the animals outside the tent, outside the camp, and they would set them outside and they would burn them. This, this is a, a, a nasty place. In their, mind, in their mind, they would never go there. And here in Hebrews 13, the writer says, But Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. And then this thing that, that, that just, man, it says, So let us go out to him outside the camp, inviting the Jewish people out of their religion, out of their tradition, to the, for them to understand where Jesus is and who he is and what he did, he did. And then he says, and bear the disgrace that he bore. I think about that, and, and man, this is, if you want to change that word out, so let us go to him outside our tradition. I began to reflect on that, and I, I think, I want to think about the things that I think of as church and as the way that I serve God and what I do. And I, I want to look back over those and say, uh, what, what of those are traditions or just some religion? And what of those are really the heartbeat and the DNA from the Word and the Bible and the things that I do because I'm following Jesus? You know, when we moved into this building, it's been almost six years, and that just blows my mind. Maybe it has been six years, I think, in August. And we moved into this building, so people started messing with me, and they were like, hey, uh, so where are you going to put your steeple? I was like, oh, Lord, are we supposed to, you have to have a steeple? Like, is that in the Bible somewhere? Like, I'm not a great Christian. I'm not a great pastor. I'm a terrible pastor. I don't even have a steeple. 
Like, and I was just wrestling with that, and I was like, wait, steeple, yes, steeple. No, steeple? I don't know. Like, I'm Googling. Do we, need, do we have to have a steeple to be a good church? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think of my, my life growing up and, 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 and the people that get wrapped up in, in the, the idea of the, the old red book from the back of the seat. Are you with me? Nothing wrong with the red book. On the, in the back of the seat. A lot of things wrong with the red book in the back of the seat if it becomes all your religion is about. And that you think you can't do it any other way. Are you with me for a minute? And I think about the times I've made sure the crease was perfect in my khakis. Are you with me? That, that, you gotta, that I heard the words, it's Sunday morning, you want to put your best on for God. And I, thought, and I began to think about that, like, but if you only knew my heart, like my khakis wouldn't matter. And I think of the tradition, and can church become the thing we dress up for, we go to, we practice, we get the red book, we sing the song, we do the thing. And that, all those things that I, when I came down to it were just, a method and a tradition that's not like the early church didn't have the red book you know what I mean like like and so I would love to have a Sunday where we use the red book please hear me I'm not against the red book but I'm against the mindset where we get stuck into a religious practice and expectation of what church is and how you do it and we think as long as we got the red book and we're dressed right and we're going to that place on Sundays we're serving God. And then I get to this passage that says it's not in that place where you serve God with your whole heart. It's not in that. That's not how you do it. It says, so let us go out to him. Does it say, let us go inside where the chairs are comfy and the air is conditioned? And they sing all the songs that I prefer. It says, let us go outside the camp and bear disgrace. Let's go where Jesus is and be embarrassed. He was embarrassed. He bore disgrace for you and me. Didn't deserve it. It didn't cause to be comfortable. I pray. I was scared to death when we moved into this space. I was scared we'd get comfortable. I don't think there was ever a church in the Bible that was comfortable. <laughs> that got to the place and said, this is just how we like it. We're going to do it. We're going to have this Bible study, the four of us, for the rest of our lives. Because <laughs> it's comfortable and I know everybody and I don't want to meet new people. He calls us into discomfort, into uncomfortable places, into unconventional places, in unconventional ways. It goes on to say in verse 15, Therefore let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise. That, that this idea of serving is a form of worship to God himself. It's a sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to to his name, and he sums it up in verse 16. He says, hey, and don't forget, so how do we serve? To do good and to share 
with those in need. If you go back to the beginnings of Hebrews 13, he's already given direction to the church. He says, hey, will you show hospitality to strangers? Like invite them into your house. Y'all just got a good habit of your life, finding strangers, but won't y'all come over? When's the last time you invited somebody over you actually like and know even? Right? Part of the Christian walk, what Jesus called us to, is invite people into our homes. Even in the mess. You think, well, I got to get laundry done, and I got to dust, and all that. No, you don't. The person you're inviting doesn't have their laundry done. Like, they would, be, they would feel inferior if they show up and your house is perfect. All right? So, will you mess your house up a little bit if we're coming over? Don't forget to do good and share those things. He says, show hospitality to strangers. Remember those in prison. He says, remember those suffering injustice or being mistreated. Give honor to marriage. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. He says, go outside to him. Go outside the camp, outside your building, outside your religion, outside the tradition of what you think God is, and meet Jesus there because that's where he is. Here's what I found. I'm so thankful if you've got a heart to serve Jesus. And we can absolutely use you on a Sunday morning. You heard, Chris, we got so many events and programs and ministries and groups and stuff happening. There is a place for you to plug in and serve. But if I'm honest with you, the best way for you to serve Jesus is to serve others. It's to serve your neighbor, it's to serve the stranger on the street, to serve the person at the gas station, to serve your co-workers. This is the place, and these are the places and the ways. If you want to serve Jesus, this is what he asks us to do, is to serve others. Problem is, if we don't really get this, uh, you know how your phone, you can wipe it clean and set it back to the default. As human beings, we just, if, if we're not intentional, we go back to our default setting, and our default setting is to serve ourselves. And our agendas and our programs and our calendar for the week becomes all about us and our kids and all, all of the inside, the insider things we want to do. And if we're not careful as a church, it'll become all about us. It'll become about the fall picnic and the stuff we just want to get to do and the, you know, the, the, the group of us, we're just going to get together and have fun. We'll start turning inside. And yet we have this very specific call to go outside. So we have to think that way. You've got to be intentional about it. You've got to try to do it. And Jesus led by example in this, right? Mark 10, 45 says, Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Philippians 2, 5 says, In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, a diakonos, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death, on a cross. John 13, 3. 
Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them, the Akinos. And you know that God anointed, this is Acts 10, 38, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I want you to understand that the, the part of the Christian life that sometimes we miss, it goes beyond just professing faith and becoming a Christian. It goes beyond that because once you have given your life to Christ, you join God on mission to the world. Ephesians 2.10 says we are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good things he prepared in advance for us to do. Now we can as a church get really excited about sharing the truth of the gospel, saying it, the words. I believe Jesus, he both spoke them and he also demonstrated the truth. He said good things, and he did good things. The disconnect of the two becomes really problematic. If people aren't experiencing love from the church and good news from the church, they don't understand the value of it. And Jesus, he would feed people, right? He fed hungry people. He healed people. He, he was constantly showing up. He brought people back to life. He was very much speaking into their lives and giving them direction and encouraging them and meeting their basic needs like he was doing good and at the same time would share the truth with them of who he was and what it took to find eternal life. The church can go either way. We can either get all about the truth and we can just go to the sidewalk and yell. You think I'm lying? You've seen it. You've heard it. Just yelling scriptures at people. Telling them they're going to hell. Right? Just yelling it. I don't see Jesus ever doing that. We can go the other way and we can be great. We can serve and we can go to the homeless shelter and, and, and the, the, the feed people and do the things and, and just do all the good in the world and never share truth with them. I see that. And does no good to meet their physical needs without giving them some hope and meeting their spiritual need. To know Jesus as their Savior. The balance of this is where we try to be at New Beginnings. The gospel means good news, and I think the church should be good news to their neighbors and their community. I think you should be good news to your, your family, to your spouse. You just tell your spouse, hey, Jared said I'm good news to you. <laughs> I think about our town. Just this week, good news, someone came to me and said, I'm so thankful there's a coffee shop in town. They left a review on Google, said it's one of the only ones in town. I'm so thankful for it. To me, that's good news. That's something for them to be like, I want to call my friend. I got some good news. There's a coffee shop in town and a church made sure it was here. And they didn't have any strings attached for me to use. I don't have to go to the church. I don't even have to be a Christian to get a latte. It's awesome. It's just good news. I think about the, the, the free lunches we do on Tuesday. 
from 60 to 100 sometimes. We give them out there, and then we take what we don't give out, and we take it over to Myers Tower, and we give it to the people there. And I think about how many people there call their friend family and say, I got some good news on Tuesdays. Every Tuesday, I don't have to pay for my food. It doesn't come out of my grocery bill. This is good news. Somebody's feeding me. That's the church. Think about the students and the people that go to the battle line and they found a mentor at the, the boxing gym. You're like, that's good news. There's a boxing gym in Pikeville and a church runs it. That's weird news, but this is good news. <laughs> I think about uh, Sean that we helped uh, that, that lived under the boxing gym when we bought it and we helped him just different times along the way. And man, he's helped me honestly as much as We've helped him. Got baptized several weeks ago. Still going through hard times. You know, it's not, you know, he, he, they, they ended up tearing his house down. He was living in a couple weeks ago, and he was living in, sleeping in the parking garage until they would wake him up and make him leave. And he found somebody in an apartment he could get into, and you know where he came, right, when he needed half a deposit. He rings our doorbell here, and Jared, I hate to ask, but... I got half of this. I really need the other half. He said, I'll work it out. I'll do whatever you need. Uh, he said, I need $175. I'll, what can I do? And he had told me he had helped another church paint or somewhere else paint. I said, hey, the rest of the parts store that we got over there needs painted. Could you paint that for us? Uh, he said, I'd love to do it. I'll do it. So we gave him the $175, and he said, I'll be there at 9 in the morning. I was like, he might be there at 9 in the morning. You know, like you're dealing in these situations. Let me tell you something. You get in these situations not to fix people. Don't do that. Don't get in it to think, because I'm doing this, they're going to get better. It doesn't matter if they get better. You're called to do it just to serve. You get that. God's responsibility is the rest and theirs. You're just to serve. I came back. Honestly, I forgot. We talked about it a little bit. We didn't go unlock the, th the part store. We didn't have the stuff over there. That day, that afternoon, we came to the church, and he had gone to the market and got a coffee sleeve off a of coffee, and he had written a note. It said, Jared, this is Sean. I was at the part store this morning to paint, and the stuff wasn't there. Here's the number. Just call me. I want to do it. Sean slept in a bed that night before, got a shower. That's good news. He sees Jesus being real and relevant to him. Think about Celebrate Recovery on, on Monday night that where there's, there's people with all kinds of hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and addictions, and they felt like they have no home and no place to go and not welcome, maybe in churches because of stigma and judgment and criticism, and they get to come here and worship and celebrate, and they're just as welcome here on Sunday mornings as they are Monday night. Honestly, I think Monday night might be more church than this. They understand their brokenness. We don't get it near as much as they do. But they, that's good news to them. they got a place to go and gather and be loved, and they feed, and they learn Jesus, and it gets poured into them. It's good news. I think about the men and women finding community in our small groups and people opening up homes and saying, man, I've been lonely, and now i got somebody. That's good news. All this matters. All this matters. I threw this out this morning, hadn't planned on it. I'm going to do it again. 
we've been able to also take the parts store that's over on the bypass. You've heard me talk about it if you've been here sometime. <clears throat> I still don't know exactly what we're going to do, but God put something on my heart a few weeks ago, and Bethany, we were praying about it and talking about it. It's like, hey, what if we just did uh, a Christmas event over there? Like Christmas on the bypass. Like, we do our fall picnic, that's for us. You can invite friends. We're going to do our candlelight service here like we always do where the kids participate and we sing. But I'm going to do something that ain't about us. And so we're going to do that. I don't know what that is. If you want to participate and be a part of that, I'd like to buy gifts. We're going to sing. We might have Santa. We might have cookies. Who knows what we're going to do. It's going to be like a Hallmark movie with Jesus. <laughs> and you're going to go to Glenn and say, I want to help, and she's going to figure it all out. All right? And we're going to be good news to some people. This is the gospel at work. This is the complete gospel, a gospel that has transformed you and wrecked your life so much that you care about the lost and the broken and the hopeless, and we bring hope into hopeless and light into darkness. Because people don't know how much, they don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. And we have to show that we care First, and before we decide to do this, we've got to remember, and this really, so I mean, we don't need to get prideful about it and say, oh, me and my privilege are going to go to those who do not have, because we're on the same level. We just sang it earlier. God knows your name. He knows their name. All right? I thought about these words from Jesus in Matthew 25. For I was hungry. And you fed me. I was thirsty. And you gave me a drink. I was a stranger. And you invited me into your home. I was naked. And you gave me clothing. I was sick. And you cared for me. I was in prison. And you visited me. And they said, when did we do that to you, Jesus? When did we do that for you? This is a, a parable, a story of a judgment. And Jesus that says, and the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So where is Jesus? Is he in the camp? In the temple? Is he in the homeless shelter? Or is he in the bar? And brokenness where people have given up hope and they've turned to alcohol and that's it. Or is he in the hospital? Or is he in the prison? And you see, we want to interact and we want to serve Jesus and we drive by him every single day. <laughs> Are you with me for a minute? We drive by him every single day and ignore him. As a way to worship God is a continual sacrifice of praise and serving 
others. You want to serve Jesus? Serve the, those the most broken on the fringe. Don't believe there's a God. It doesn't matter. You go be good and be light to them. Show them love. Open up a door conversation. Get to know their name. Don't just put soup in a bowl. Get to know Sean. Build relationship. Invite them into your home. Yeah, it's crazy. Jesus was crazy. So why do we do it? Why do we sacrifice ourselves in closing? The worship team comes on up. We walk out of our tradition and religion and we bear disgrace. We want to go into those places and be with those people because that's where Jesus is at. We do it because, see, we were Judas who Jesus knew was going to betray him, but he still washed his feet. We were in the crowd shouting, crucify him. As much as any of the ones that were actually there, and yet from the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, you and I, we were as much Barabbas as Barabbas was. Barabbas was a criminal in prison, bars around him, no way out. Shackled in, in his crime and his punishment. We were the same for our sin. Dedic destined for hell and the wages of sin were death. And just like Barabbas, the prison doors flew open and Jesus went in our place. And so we've experienced this grace from God, and therefore it should overflow out of us into the streets, into the homeless shelters, into the deep, dark places, on the fringes, outside the camp. Because that's where he is. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to share the gospel. I want our church to share it. But please, be the gospel. Be the good news to somebody. Our church can do it through the week and the ministry team that's here. And, but it multiplies when each of you see your classroom, your workplace, your family as a place to be good news to those around you. Build their curiosity about Jesus. Met a friend a couple weeks ago from Haiti. Does ministry in Haiti. Grew up in an orphanage in Haiti. The competing religion in Haiti is voodoo. He was talking to someone who's like, I just think voodoo's the way. He said, how many schools has voodoo started in Haiti? How many meals have you been fed because of voodoo? And he shared from experience because his parents who were Christian missionaries to Haiti took him in when he had no family. Today our call is to not just share the gospel, but to be it. God, we thank you for this opportunity to join you at work in the world and in Pikeville and in our neighborhoods and our communities. God, we know this grace we've received should overflow out of us. And if we've never put our faith in Jesus Christ, if we've never seen ourselves as broken and in need of a Savior and this reality that our sin separates us from a, a holy God, that that grace is available for all who would call upon your name.
who would step out in faith and say, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I forsake all others, and I pour my life into him. God, we ask today that you just wreck our hearts, that you wreck our religion, our traditions, and just draw us face to face with you. And let us serve others well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.